They sing it well. Nicole. They do sing it well. They sing it beautifully. Their voices are gorgeous. Gorgeous. I love at the end when like he's about to leave. That part. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. I completely cut you off just because I wanted to sing that. Hello, welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we are talking about Moulin Rouge, music from Baz Luhrmann's film, released in 2001 under Interscope Records, Fox Music, and Bazmark. And my guest is Bonnie. Yay! Bonnie, welcome to the podcast. First time. Thank you. I'm so excited. I can't believe it's been so long since you started doing this and this is my first time. This is your first time. I'm so excited to have you join our pod squad family. It's been a long time coming getting you on the pod, but I am happy you're here and I'm like beyond stoked that you're here for the Moulin Rouge episode. I know. I I love it so much. For the listeners, we will get into the details of uh, why this movie means so much to Bonnie and I a little bit later on, but um, because you're new to the podcast family, Bon, um, for anybody who doesn't know you, there might be some, there might be some people in the world who do not know who you are. It's entirely possible, not likely, but possible. It's entirely possible. So Bon and I, we were roommates. We lived together for three years, three wonderful years. It feels like longer. It feels like longer, but it was only three years, but we had the best fucking time. We were in Kingston. We were in university. We were living life. We were having fun. We were drinking margaritas out of buckets. We were, (laughs) we were literally living our best life. We watched a lot of movies in that apartment. We watched a lot of music videos. You and I are both big fans of the music video YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, you, you brought me into it. I don't think I watched any music videos until you, uh, kind of forced me, forced me to do that. And I loved it. It was my favorite times when you would come out and stop me from work (laughs) to start watching some music videos with you. I'd be like, Bonnie, I understand you, your biochemistry exam is important, but have you seen this Nickelback video from 2006? Cause it's really important. We talk about this and watch it right now. I think we need to do it right now. And it was more important than biochemistry. Let's be real. Nickelback outweighs most things almost everything. On top of that, Bon, you're also one of my best friends in the whole world. And uh, I love you very much. So I'm very excited to have you here. And you're like my family, my family away from family. Yes, exactly. But thank you for coming on the pod. Thank you for making time. And I wish you could be here in person getting the full experience, but you're joining us safely via Zoom. And that's the way it has to be. And that's the way it has to be. And that's okay because it's still going to be a grand time. It will and be. I'm still excited to see you. So even me too. from afar. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, on that note, what do you think, Bon? I say we get into this. We start talking about Moulin Rouge. First, I got to give the listeners a bit of a backstory on the movie, on the soundtrack. How does that feel? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. What? <laughs> Sorry. Let's do it. Was that an awful That's thing? literally, no, everybody says that. Because I always say the same thing. I'm like, oh, I think we should go in and do this. And everyone's like, let's do it. All it's right. very so, common on the podcast. So you just fit right in. Until I did it. And I was like, <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> so Moulin Rouge is a romance drama movie musical released in 2001 that was directed and co-written by the legendary Boz Lerman, who also directed major motion pictures like Romeo and Juliet, Australia, and The Great Gatsby. <laughs> this is the only Boz Lerman movie I enjoy. <laughs> you like Romeo and Juliet. What are you talking about? I hate that movie. No, you don't. I thought you loved that movie. No, it's the worst thing I've ever watched. I love that Are Paul Rudd. Sure. But I hate it. I thought you loved that version of Romeo and Juliet. No, I hate it with a burning passion. What do you hate about it? I just don't vibe with the whole, like, we've made this modern guns and 
honestly, all of it. I just don't like any of it. I don't love Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't love Claire Day. I knew, I I know you don't like Leo. I'll never understand why you don't like him because one of your favorite movies is Titanic. So it makes no sense. Yeah, but it's just such a beautiful story. Oh my God. (laughs) Those poor people. I will also say The Great Gatsby has a reputation. It's come up a couple times on the podcast as uh, one of the worst movies ever, but with one of the best soundtracks. That's fair. It does have a great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Not a fantastic movie. You can't put Tony Wire in a movie and have it be good. Spider-Man? Spider-Man? Spider-Man is horrible. What are you talking about? (laughs) Not the third Spider-Man. Dismiss that one. The only good one. I'm going to put some dirt in your eyes. Oh it's the only good Spider-Man. I'm going to put some dirt in your eyes. I'm going to put some dirt in your eyes. Who wrote that what? film? Who was allowed to write that movie? It was Tommy McGuire. But he you don't wrote- like, no, but you, okay, you're dead serious. You don't like the first Spider-Man or the second Spider-Man. I do not like the first Spider-Man or the second Spider-Man. I like the Spider-Mans with like Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't like the original Spider-Mans. Interesting. That's a very controversial opinion. I also like the Andrew Garfield ones. I'm a, I'm a fan. I mean, he only made the two, and then they cut him off. He didn't make two? I thought there was just one. Yeah, because at the end of the second one, Gwen Stacy dies. Spoiler alert for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but you've had a, like ten I years to watch that film, so <laughs> I have no not. regrets. <laughs> That's fair. I don't. Toby McGuire is just not likable. Like. Human. Maybe he's a likable human. I don't know the person. I don't know Toby McGuire, but like Seabiscuit is a very good actress. No, I was gonna say Seabiscuit. Maybe he's maybe he's good in Seabiscuit. I've never seen Seabiscuit. Me neither, but maybe we should watch it and find out. Seabiscuit, you know what? It's decided. Toby McGuire is fantastic in Seabiscuit. He's fantastic. He's, he's he deserves so all the awards, all the accolades for the this horse movie. True. All right. The film takes place in the year 1900 in the Montmartre quarter of France when penniless English writer Christian, played by Ewan McGregor, oh, Ewan. falls in love with a beautiful courtesan named Satine, played by Nicole Kidman, amidst the Bohemian Revolution, peddling the ideals of truth, beauty, freedom, and love. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. What a nice little motto. <laughs> thank you. I think, oh, thank you. I Like, I made that thank up. Thank you. I did that. That was thank me. you. <laughs> I love the Bohemian Revolution. <laughs> the movie was a major success following its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival in 2001, grossing $57 million at the domestic box office and another $120 million internationally. And Robert Ebert gave it three and a half out of four stars, saying the movie is all color and music, sound and motion, kinetic energy, broad strokes, and operatic excess. Ooh, he's not wrong. He is not wrong. He Robert Ebert, he knows what he's talking about. He yeah, he does. About. I didn't realize it was such like a, not like popular movie, but like well-received movie because nobody I talked to knows about it. I know. It's kind of like a cult classic in that way almost. Yeah, but it was like well-received as opposed to most cult classics that aren't well-received. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and further to that, it also got eight Oscar nominations. What? Eight, including Best Picture and Best Actress for Nicole Kidman, and it won in the Best Art Direction and the Best Costume Design category, which makes sense because the costumes in Moulin Rouge are so fantastical. So fantastic. Part of what makes the movie a spectacular. I totally, a spectacular, spectacular. A spectacular, spectacular. Ooh. Easter egg. I didn't mean to. (laughs) 
And the soundtrack for the film is very unique as Boz Lerman selected a variety of well-known songs by well-known artists to supplement and sing in the film with only one original song, Come What May, on the actual track list. From David Bowie to Elton John to The Police to Madonna, the album really does have it all. And it peaked at number three on the Billboard 200 chart and went double platinum in 2002. Oh my God, that's so impressive. I didn't know that. I mean, they are all like banging songs just like in and of themselves before even being in the movie in which they're like also fantastic can we talk about how you called them banging songs and not bangers <laughs> colloquially bonnie on the podcast we say bangers but banging it's songs banging works too songs. It's, a, it's a collection I'm trying of- to be young and hip don't get at me i don't know i live alone i don't live alone i live I in a room. Say- it's not cool here I don't know. Somewhere Eric's like, did she just say she lives alone? <laughs> so in tribute to the sparkling diamond of the Moulin Rouge herself, Satine, played by Nicole Kidman, we are drinking what is called a pink diamond fizz cocktail today, Bonnie. And this recipe does require a little bit of prep uh, with a rosemary syrup base. But if you wanted to make just a gin fizz on its own without the rosemary syrup, you could do that too. It's totally fine. But if you want to get a little uh, fancy and make the simple syrup that is rosemary infused, uh, all you need to do is boil a cup of water with a cup of sugar and add five sprigs of rosemary. Boil that for like 10 minutes. Take it off the heat. Let it sit. Take the rosemary out. You've got yourself a really, really easy, simple syrup. Some dried rosemary also works, though I'm sure it's not quite as good. (laughs) Gets the job done. It does. Sometimes we're on a budget. For the actual cocktail itself, what you will need is half a cup of grapefruit juice, a third of a cup of gin, and a quarter cup of champagne or Prosecco. And this serves two. Um, You combine all the ingredients in a cocktail shaker with two tablespoons of the simple syrup and serve it over ice and garnish if you want with a rosemary sprig or with anything you want. It's 2021. Just do what you want. (laughs) Don't listen to me. Bonnie, you made this drink. Do you like this drink? How's it taste? I do like this drink. It's very good. I love grapefruit juice and uh, I enjoy rosemary. So uh, it's all very nice. I do not have any Prosecco or sparkling anything in there. Is there club soda or anything fizzy or no, are you just- it's just water. So but, uh, Bonnie's drink is substantially stronger than mine. Let's just uh, call a spade a spade. Then. <laughs> it's pretty strong, but it's also very tasty. The gin is not the best gin, but I'm not going to besmirch- uh, this gin maker on your podcast. Please don't do that. (laughs) But, uh, you know, the drink in and of itself is very tasty. Okay, Bon, the movie Moulin Rouge. I know it means a lot to both of us, but can you share with the listeners a little bit of background as to how you first discovered the movie, uh, your relationship with the soundtrack itself, why you maybe love it or don't love it? I know you love it, but we're going to leave them. We're going to leave them hanging to see what happens. But uh, no, I'd love to hear you just your overall impressions on the album and the movie. Absolutely. So I think the first time I definitely didn't listen to the album before watching the movie or anything, but my first introduction to it was, I think I was in like middle school and my mom, we like got our movies through my mom, like renting them from the library because that's how cool we are. But uh, she like, I don't think she had heard of it ever before either. And she just like would bring home like every week, like a pile of like DVDs to watch. And so Moulin Rouge was like in that pile one week. And like, we had no idea what we were getting into. And I think it was just my mom, my brother and I who watched it. And we were like, first of all, what was that? (laughs) 
because it is a fantastical creation. And second of all, like that was the best movie ever. And I remember after, like constantly after that, my brother would quote the like the sitar player who like talks like little Toulouse and he's like oh I always speak the truth and he would just go around like little like I think he was in elementary school just like say like chanting that all the time and so that's just like a very vivid memory is that and I know like my mom also like I mean I was in middle school but my mom suggested that like the high school like music director like they would do that for the play that year because she worked at the high school and we'd go watch the play every year right and I remember vividly her coming home being like the music director didn't want to do it because none of their like not original songs and like it's not good enough and I was like how dare (laughs) who do you think you are not to like it would be so much fun as a high school like musical production to do Moulin Rouge and I was so mad <laughs> that like she wouldn't accept that. Do you but, think so that's do you think sorry. the movie was maybe a tad inappropriate for high school? It's entirely possible. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, I grew up in a fairly conservative home and it couldn't have been that inappropriate, or my mom wouldn't have let me watch it. So like you could tone back on some of the inappropriateness, I would think, but maybe not. Maybe that was her real reason. <laughs> it's a story about a hooker and, and a writer and they fall in love. That's fine. And then there's you some know. guy who wants to own her. Wow. A courtesan, Kiara. Oh, I pardon me. She's a courtesan. She's oh, dare you. not a prostitute. <laughs> no, that's not the same thing. So like, it's always been like a bonding thing for my brother and I, like loving this movie. And I hadn't met anyone else who had watched it until I met you. And we like had that initial like, I don't really know you dinner where we like, we're kind of friends, but not really friends. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but like, you can tell your story before getting into that momentous occasion and the like, importance it holds for us, I guess. I, so, okay. So to provide a little bit of context to that story. So you and I met in university we lived yeah. in the same res hall at uh, at Queen's University in Kingston. Yeah. And uh, you're right. We were not like friends. Like we were friendly. No, we weren't like enemies or anything. No, 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 no. Like- no, no, no. We were like, fine. Like we would see each other in the hall. We would say hello. We would have like the small talk situation, whatever. And then yeah. uh, it was actually our friend Riley, who you and I were both close with. Like we were, yeah. it was like, we were like the- on either end of Riley. Exactly, I exactly. She was sexual. But like <laughs> Riley was like the glue that like was the only reason we would ever have dinner together or anything. Exactly. Riley was there. Exactly. So at this particular evening, we were having dinner with Riley. And for some reason, Riley had to leave early. And you and I had never spent any one-on-one time together, I'm pretty sure. And I don't know even know why it came up, but I feel like I just said, oh, I watched Moulin Rouge last night because I actually saw it late. So you saw it when you were in middle school. I didn't see it until my first year of university. I'd always heard about it, always heard about it. My cousins, I remember, like loved it. And I remember like growing up and hearing them like sing elephant love medley. And I was like, what is this? Like, I, I never knew about it. Okay. And then, you know, in university, you have free time to do lots of things like watch lots of movies and TV. So, free time. <laughs> so I ended up just randomly watching it the night before. And then we had this oh dinner. 
God, I didn't know that. Yeah. And we're sitting there and I think I just brought up to you. I was like, oh, like, or maybe it wasn't me, but I just remember like at least saying the words Moulin Rouge. Cause you know me and you know that I love to chat. So I was there I just mean, like, I mean, it wouldn't have been me. If it was up to me, I would have just sat there awkwardly and like watched you eat your food. <laughs> so it was definitely you. And thank God. But literally that from that moment on, like that just sparked this like great conversation. We talked about how much we love the movie. We talked about the songs and from then on, I consider, I considered us friends. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Just because like, we talk about, and like, I feel like, like I said, like nobody I knew had like watched the movie and in my mind, like, because it's such an out there movie, I was always like, I don't want to say like self-conscious to bring it up, but like, I was kind of like, this is a weird movie. Is it embarrassing that I love this movie so much? So like the fact that you also loved it, I was like, this is a kindred spirit and we will be best friends. And it was kind of true. We literally, because that happened like, you know, we were, that was probably what, like a quarter of the way through our first year, maybe? Probably, yeah. Something like that. But then, yeah, from there, I mean, we decided to, to live together. We also lived with our friend Riley and we went and we moved into our, like, we, you know, like we ended up having yeah, this amazing amazing experience in in university. I feel like I, and I attribute a lot of that to that conversation. And you and I have talked about that a million times, but I also have to acknowledge that like pretty much like you and I were not big drinkers in university, which is like, you know, funny now how far we've come with this podcast. (laughs) You have a podcast about drinking. So what happened to you, Kiara? Oh, life, life, Bonnie. (laughs) But, um, anytime we did when we would like pre-drink and we'd be ready, getting ready to go to the bars or whatever, we probably sang Elephant Love Medley, swapping the roles to each other. Yeah, like, between Christian and Satine, all of the time. Countless times. We both knew, like, all of it to be able to swap the lyrics back and forth. It was a moment in the night where, like, okay, it's time. It's Elephant Love I Medley time. I don't remember the first time we did it, but, like, I know we did it multiple times. And look, thinking back on it now, I'm like, oh, that was probably embarrassing as hell. Because, like, I assume, like, p- other people were there often. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, like, just, like, you and me, like, or in our roommates. No, it was literally, exactly. like, oh, this is a party? Hold on. Where's the aux cord? <laughs> like- yeah, let us sing Elephant Love Medley, please. <laughs> with, like, a bear once. Like a we did sing it with bear. a bear once. Yeah. I don't know who that was or where that came from. I like, don't know either, but we have pictures. Yeah, we have pictures. I have I have a picture of us singing it on Halloween, like in my bedroom next to my bed. Oh. Of us, like, it's just like a shot. I mean, and we're both clearly very drunk. We, neither of us look very good. But like, <laughs> we're both like arms out stretched, like in the midst of singing. And it's so, like perfection. And you I have love to. It. You have to go all out when you sing songs from Moulin Rouge. You cannot half-ass Moulin Rouge. Cannot. Nothing about that movie, nothing about that soundtrack or the way it's done is half-assed. That's the point of it. It's whole-assed all the time. (laughs) But what I love about the soundtrack is like, it's become something that I've gone back to over and over and over again, right? Like, and obviously you can equate the songs to certain parts in the movie, but what's so great about the soundtrack is because there's songs that like everybody already knew and loved, you can, it's just like building upon it, honestly. Like they're taking yeah. everything from, you know, like Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, which they sample and, just, and like- Yeah, like sticking that in a can-can song. Sticking it in a like, can-can. It's, it shouldn't work, but it does. And it makes it more fun because you know the songs and you already know the lyrics and you're like, I recognize this and I can sing to this already. And like, everyone's having so much fun, like on screen. Yeah. But like, you can get into it more yes. because you know the song. 
the first time I watched it, I did not realize your song. Like I had never heard your song before. I did not know that was like by like Elton John, like did not know that was a song that was not from the movie. So you just I thought, learned, but <laughs> you just thought it was like you and McGregor's time to shine. You're like, yeah, wow. I was like, wow, this is a great song. And he has a great voice, which like he does have, but like, I was just super, I was like, this is such a beautiful song and it's well done in the movie, but like, I didn't realize it was already a song elsewhere. It's grand how it's done in the movie. I'm like so excited to talk about it. I'm I'm so excited to get into it. And I think we should just start talking about the songs because I know that we both, I can tell that we both want to. I know we've already like kind of started to like throw it in there while we're not supposed to be. <laughs> we may as well just go for it. We may as well just do it. I'm going to toss it to you first, Bond. So where do you want to start the conversation today? What's like a song off the record that really sticks out in your mind? I think it has to be Elephant Love Medley. Of course it does. It has to be. It's the song that like we sang. It's it's my favorite song. I love it so much. It's so well done. I like have such a soft spot for like duets and for like back and forths and for just like mishmashes of songs. Yeah. Like the fact that you can do that so well. Like I just love that song. I think it's so well done. It's so well done and it incorporates, like for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, it comes at like a critical point in the film where basically uh, Ewan McGregor's character, Christian, has professed his love for Satine and she's like, no, but we can't because I'm a courtesan and I don't do love. I don't do that. It's a very pretty woman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so he's essentially trying to like convince her like, no, let's do this thing like let's just one chance give me just one chance (laughs) but it's so great because it's 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 literally like them fighting over whether or not to give love a chance but it's done using all these different songs so like for reference the different songs that they touch on all you need is love by the Beatles I was made for loving you by kiss one more night by Phil Collins in the name of love or pride by you two don't leave me this way by Thelma Houston silly love songs by Paul McCartney heroes by David Bowie I will always love you Whitney Houston and your song by Ellen John like they incorporate all those oh, songs yeah in there like, and back and forth too like and in different parts so it's not like it's just like in a row it's like they come back and it's so well done it's so well like whoever decided to compose it and like mash it all together because it's probably the best mashup in history in yeah in existence ever like possible because it's so many songs well that's what I mean and I feel like a lot of people will attribute this sort of like mashup thing to something like Glee right like when Glee was in its heyday that's like what well why it was famous because it's like oh we'll take two opposing songs and put them together with the same beat and like make them fun but I was like no no Moulin Rouge essentially like paved the way for Glee (laughs) Yeah, they made Glee what it could be. hundred <laughs> percent. But did it better. So but did it way better. Glee. Yeah. When you and McGregor set, sings the part of Don't Leave Me This Way, that's like my, f- I think that will, I don't know. Cause- yeah, he's just like, it's it's the pause after he says don't. Yeah, and like, don't. Is, is that just, yeah. Is, is it the end of the song? Is he just saying don't? And like, she's just going to walk away. But then he keeps it like, keeps it going and I wish I could sing because I like I would do it but I can't and I'm not going to embarrass myself he makes you believe it so impressively well and I think that's a big part of his character in the movie because his character believes in love like wholeheartedly right yeah more than anything else in the world yeah and so that really shines through when they when they decided to do this part of the the film and I also had to mention like 
Heroes by David Bowie is like one of my favorite songs in the entire world. You know this about me, Bonnie. I do. I do. But I, and I think that's my favorite part of Elephant Love Medley is when he breaks into Heroes because that like it, like his voice is so clear and pure and it starts to uplift and he's starting to convince Satine and it's such a nice moment. Yes. It's such like a, I get chills listening to that moment because it's turning around and it's so good. I also get chills because like, wow, 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 sound the alarm, red dress, yeah. red dress alert. This is the red dress moment in the film that I want to just wear yeah. to the grocery store. All of the time. All like, of the time. I wouldn't take it off. It, it's such like a stunning figure. Like what? It's, it's everything I want to be and more. Oh, it's so good. This, this song defines the film for sure. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Even though it's not like the one original song from the movie, I still think it defines the film. As beautiful as like Come What May is, I think Elephant Love Medley like is the movie. Like it's my favorite song and I will listen to it no matter like what mood I'm in. Whereas like a lot of the other songs on the album, like I do have to be in a mood. Okay. I say that maybe for the more obscure of the songs, like Sparkling Diamonds or something. Right. Like, I'm not just going to be casually. I know I tried listening to the album a couple days ago, like, while I was working. And I was like, I should listen to this. And, like, the Can Can song came on. Oh, my God. And I was I... just sitting here. It was like, wah, wah, wah. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, this isn't the vibe I want right now. Whereas, like, Elephant Love Medley comes on. And you're like, I'm totally chill with this no matter where I am. Like, it will give me shivers. Yes, 100%. And it always reminds me of you. So anytime I'm, like, missing you because you and I don't live – we don't live anywhere near each other at the moment. So I don't get to see a whole lot of you, especially in the pandemic. So anytime I miss my best friend, I will put this on. Yeah, I 100 agree. I cannot hear it without thinking of you and thinking of like singing that song with you. And I don't think there's anyone else in the world I would sing that way. Like, I don't think there's anyone in the world I would sing anything with, no matter how <laughs> drunk I was. You make me so comfortable. And that song like exemplifies that. And when we can actually see each other, we'll just bust out the Nickelback for old time's sake, you know? That's also a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's also always top notch. Great way to start it off, Bond. I'm going to go next and I'm going to jump to another one that I, I, well, I was going to say, I know you love it. I'm pretty sure you love it, but now I'm questioning myself, but I'm just going to continue on with it. I would love to talk about El Tango de Roxanne. Yes. Okay. I didn't think that was my like next choice as well. Like my second favorite. And I was like, I feel like Kiara's going to think I'm crazy for choosing this one. Never. I was confident that like you were going to be like, really? That's your next choice? Or like that's even in your top three? Because I love that song. I think it's such a cool fucking way to do the police. Like who? I don't like the song originally. Really? Yeah. Like I would never put on Roxanne by the police and be like, Roxanne. Like I just don't do it. But then to have like Jose Feliciano sing it and he's like growly like it is it's not just sexy it's outrageously sexy yeah it's beyond like I just want to be like ooh, like (laughs) you can't see me shimmying right now but like you just have to it also again comes at a very critical point in the movie because like it's it involves like the entire cast and there's like a very big crescendo near the end as well comes at a a point in the film where you know Christian is experiencing jealousy, like the, yeah. the gnawing away jealousy, knowing that Satine, the woman that he loves, has to give herself over to another man in order to save the Moulin Rouge. It's like so dramatic. Yeah. And it's like and, such like this jealousy, dark moment. Yes. Like but sexy. Dark moment. Yeah. And it's so like, 
and I just like part of the like I know it's part of the movie and not part of the album but like the dance scene like the coordinated tangoing just like adds to it as well and it's just so well done I think too it's just a really stunning example of choosing like the perfect song for a perfect moment yeah you know and like, that- I wouldn't have thought of it like I don't think I thought of Roxanne the like the police song I like obviously that's what it's about is like prostitutes and you don't have to sell your body to the night but like yeah I don't think it computed as much until you're watching like listening to it in this sense with like the deep gravelly like painful voice of like you don't have to do that versus yeah. like oh, Roxanne like it's very different it's not sting it's definitely no, it's- not sting <laughs> It's not like Sting, but, but it's true. And I also like, you know, kind of like the, almost like the mini, like inside joke or like Easter egg that the Jose Feliciano who sings the song, he's an Argentinian man. And they're doing like essentially an Argentinian tango with this song. So it's also kind of like a piece of his homeland, like coming in and like influencing the film. It's just, it's so over the top, ridiculously good that like, I hate Boz Lerman for being that good at what he does. I agree. It's a very impressive piece of music. And then also like Christian's like kind of background, like even McGregor's like smoother form of singing, which you wouldn't think would like fit as well with the like gravelly deepness. I 100% agree. Yeah, you and McGregor singing it. And then like when everybody's just like at the end, just like screaming and you're just like like, stressed. (laughs) You're like, what? What's happening? It just like, like it builds and builds to the point where you're like, this can't build anymore. And then it does. And you're like, this is probably over. Like this song was great, but it's over. And then it hits you again. And I love it. It's so good. It's honestly just like such a fucking, I was going to say it's a banger, but it's a, it's a banging song. It's a banging song. It's a banging Banging song. Is there another banging song you would like to talk about, Bon? I don't know if it's a banging song but it is a gorgeous song. Come what may. Someone had to say it. It's not my favorite. It's not my second favorite. That's not because it's not a fantastic song. It's just because Elephant Love Medley and Roxanne are like out of this world. When I was first thinking of my favorite songs, I was like very torn between initially before re-listening to it. I was like, is it your song or is it Come What May? Like what one is my favorite? And then I was like, after listening, I'm like, Come What May comes out on top. Like it's mushy and it's not something I would originally like think like, ooh, yeah, like until the end of time, I love you. Like just thinking of the lyrics, I'm not like, that's my kind of song. But listening to it, I'm like, this works so well and I love it. And it's like musically beautiful. I totally agree. And it's the secret song in the film where Christian and Satine use it as like a device to signal to each other, basically like everything's going to be okay. Like come what may I'll love you till the end of time even though she has to you know seduce the duke and she has to like pretend to be in love with him and Christian can't like they have to keep their love secret come what may exactly I made a note of also mentioning how beautiful the lyrics were um specifically I wanted to call it the lyrics where he says listen to my heart can you hear it sing telling me to give you everything seasons may change winter to spring but I love you until the end of time a very like simple cadence like a very simple stanza of a song But so effective. And it means a lot to me too, because 
we obviously know this movie means a lot to both of us. And for my 26th birthday, you got me a framed um, sheet music with those lyrics on it. Like seasons may change winter to spring. And every time I see my favorite lyric. Yeah. And every time I see it up on my wall, it just makes me think, uh, it makes me think of you and it just brings me a lot of joy. So I, uh, I had to mention that as well to our listeners. There's also like a very cool, I don't know if you felt this too, but like, do you know the song endless love by Lionel Richie and, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. even think it was Lionel Richie. I just know the song. <laughs> Remember in Friends when like Janice leaves Chandler and he's like holding the album and he's like, <laughs> yeah, there and, and Phoebe comes in. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, my endless love. That one. Yeah. But it kind of reminds me of that actually, like this very soft and kind of sweet, yeah. very beautiful, romantic, very mushy, like you were saying, kind of yeah. song. Oh man, it's just so good. And like when I watch him, when I watch them sing it in the film and they're like up in his apartment looking out and it's like the sun is setting. Yeah, and they're like, they like they were gonna break, like they were gonna break up before that. And then he was like, well, no, like what? Well, no. I'm gonna write this out. Well, no, well, no. But, <laughs> but like, and then they just like, he writes this song to like, just remind her and it is so like sweet and gentle and like simple but like still powerful and like unexpectedly powerful I agree I think I just swallowed a sprig of earth (laughs) I was like I have my fresh grapefruit and I've just been like choking on grapefruit pulp this whole time (laughs) I mean you've hit it very well I just sucked up I think one of the little leaves (laughs) into my straw and I was like what is that (laughs) To just like have the leaves mixed in there, Kiara. Just chunks in my drink of rosemary. <laughs> just the Delicious. garden. <laughs> I just like, I'm like, is it going to grow inside me now? You know, like when you eat a watermelon seed as a kid and, and you're like, like oh, I freak out as a kid and like, there's going to be a watermelon. Absolutely. <laughs> you're probably okay. I'm probably okay. We'll be fine. We'll just b- kill it with more booze. We'll monitor it. <laughs> yeah, we'll monitor it closely over the next six to seven monitor weeks. Monitor it closely. <laughs> Okay, um, I have another one I want to talk about. I do want to touch on your song. I need to talk about your song because I'm like, your song by Elton John is yeah. already one of the most beautifully written love songs. Agreed. In the entire, in the- like in history. Yeah. It's a fantastic, like it's not as mushy somehow as like a lot of love songs are. Yeah. It's yeah. a very like a logical love song. <laughs> And literally, like, this is what I wrote in my notes. I will read you verbatim what I wrote as I was listening to this song. And I said, I live for the Elton John version. Who the fuck doesn't? But then, this is all in caps. I wrote, but then, Boz Lerman was like, hey, let's get this really hot Scottish guy who can also sing and dance and act. And at one time was Obi-Wan Kenobi and let him sing the shit out of it. Fuck off. I can't handle this version. I'm dead. (laughs) I think that sums up the feelings listening to Ewan McGregor sing your song. Because, like, it's already a fantastic song. But then it's Ewan McGregor with, like, this unexpectedly gorgeous voice. And yeah. And, like, this beautiful little face. His beautiful this, like, little face. And naive kind of character moment. And it's so wonderful. And it's also very extravagant. Like, there's the part near the end where he's, like, singing it to Satine, whatever. He's, like, doing the whole thing. And then when he's, like, really getting into it, they, like you know, they kind of have a moment Look where they're outside. like out the window and, yeah, with the glitter like, umbrella and like dancing in the clouds. And it's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful moment. So very like 
musical, so like highly stylized, just like fun and glamorous and exciting. And sometimes I actually like, I'll be like listening to the Elton John version and I'll kind of like want to sing the Ewan version. Yeah, because like it fits well. Not to say that like I would ever say anything bad about the Elton John version because again, I live for it. Classic. Yeah, it's beautiful. But sometimes like the riffs that like the way Ewan sings it or like, again, it's like the cadence and and the way that he sings the words is slightly different from the way Elton John sings it. So then when I'm listening to the Elton John version, I'm like, oh, I kind of wanted to like go really high here, but I guess Elton John's not doing it. There's like really (laughs) deep moments when Ewan does it and really high moments as opposed to like, Again, like I I feel like crap saying anything bad about Elton John's your song. And I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm just saying that like Ewan McGregor takes it to like a different place almost. Yeah. Where it's a new song where like you still have to give credit to Elton John's like your song, but it is a different song. So it's weird listening to the same lyrics and not going to the same place. Yeah. It's a great moment in the film. And I just like, I can't, it's an absolute love. First, like fantastic moment in the film. Like for me, it's my first favorite moment. Like everything up to that. I'm like, this is all right. This is fun. Like I guess Satine sang like sparkling diamonds. That was fun. But like, this is like the first time you feel something. I have an honorable mention. I feel like we owe it to Moulin Rouge to talk about Lady Marmalade. Okay, I thought you were going to go for Nature Boy by Bowie. I do love Nature I Boy. that's what you were going to go because <laughs> that's my like secret love affair. Like I love, it's not really in the movie. It's not it's, in the movie because fucking John Leguizamo sings it in the movie. Yeah, because John, John Leguizamo <laughs> in that movie. Don't even get me started on John Leguizamo. If we may side tangent on John Leguizamo for a moment. <laughs> just Literally, no, but- I wrote his name down. I was like, <laughs> John Leguizamo. Must but, mention. Jung Leguizamo has had a very like interesting career, I will say. The first time I saw him was in that, like, do you remember that? Like Lu- like Mario Brothers movie? No. And John <laughs> was Mar- like it was a real person, like Mario movie. And Who was Jung- Luigi? Mario? I can't remember. But they go to this, like, there's these like reptile people, like they're turning people into like dinosaur people. Like Yoshi? No, I don't like the the bad guys. Bowser. Are like trying to save like, I don't, these like plumbers, including John Leguizamo, is trying to like save the world from these underground like lizard people. And it was one of the worst things in the entire world. I I do have to say though, like, okay, so Mario Brothers movie, sure. He's had a very... (laughs) interesting career because John Leguizamo's been in Moulin Rouge. He played, um, was he Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet? He had a pretty big he role. Was Mercutio, I think. Yeah, yeah. In Romeo and Juliet yeah. also by Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, and then he's also in like kick-ass. He's also like Sid the Sloth from Ice Age. He's also Sid the Sloth. <laughs> like what? Also, have you ever seen the video for, um, what do you mean by he's Justin Bieber? Mario brothers. He's Luigi. So then who is Mario. I'm just going to find it now. Oh my God. Bob Hoskins. I don't know who that is. I feel like you'd recognize him. Yeah, Dennis Hopper. Oh my God. I'm going to send this to you after. Sorry, continue. <laughs> I can't believe I found it. I wanted to ask you if you've ever seen the video for What Do You Mean by Justin Bieber? Because John Leguizamo's in that. Yeah, isn't he like chasing the girl? Because there's a girl like running out of windows or something. Or is that a different movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
There's a girl running out of windows. No, that's not the video. <laughs> Never mind. Basically, basically, if you watch the Justin Bieber video, it's like Justin Bieber, John Leguizamo. Justin Bieber pays John Leguizamo to like fake kidnap his girlfriend. Okay. But then it's like not a, obviously it's not a real kidnapping. Classic John Leguizamo. Classic John <laughs> Leguizamo. Sketchy business. It's very strange, but I just remember being like, huh, John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. Interesting. But, but, but how do we get on this topic? Oh, Nature Boy. <laughs> Nature Boy. John Leguizamo stealing Nature Boy. And I forgot when I was watching the movie a couple days ago. Yeah. But like there's this zoom in moment of when I think it's after Elephant Love Medley. And like it zooms in, and I'm pretty sure like John Leguizamo is like is singing. He's watching them. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. Watching, yeah. And it, like zooms in on him crying on like the edge of a building, drinking alcohol. Yeah. And I was like, what is this John Leguizamo? Like, I love his character in that movie. He's Toulouse. hilarious. Toulouse, yeah, Toulouse. Toulouse. A real person. What do you mean? Like a historically accurate person from Moulin Rouge. Really? Like Hun- Henri Toulouse. He like led the Bohemian Revolution. Like that's a real character. John Leguizamo. Right? Heckin' John Leguizamo. Heckin' John Leguizamo. So, okay, I have to go. So back to your original point, yes. Do I love Nature Boy? A hundred percent. But Lady Marmalade, I have more of like a relationship with just because, you know, when I was seven, clearly inappropriate for me to be singing along (laughs) to this song, but this video and the song was everywhere. Like that's it was like optimal girl power to have Christina Aguilera, Pink, Maya, Missy Elliott, and Lil' Kim all in one spot, like in the sexy courtesan outfits with like corsets. And they had like lace and feathers and like, you know, garters and shit. And I was like, wow, like how bad, like look me in the eye and tell me you don't want to be in that music video wearing those outfits. One hot, I want to be wearing those outfits every day of my life. <laughs> there is nothing like... I want more than to be wearing those outfits all of the time. Once I was in them, I'd probably hate it. But like thinking about it, I would love to be that sexy all of the time to just all be like, time. I am strong and powerful and fantastic. And look at my fishnets. Yeah. <laughs> and look at my fishnets. Look at these fishnets. Observe. <laughs> Observe. It's so good. But like, yeah, definitely like I was a little bit shook when I was, you know, listening to it again. And I was like singing because I, I know all the words. It's like ingrained in my memory. And I'm like singing along and I'm like, ooh, like, voulez-vous coucher avec moi? It's this one. And I was like, man, Kiara, you're, you're in grade two. Like, pipe down. Like, <laughs> wildly like, inappropriate. Wildly oh, inappropriate. These powerful women. And you're like, this is what I want to be. These like powerful women. Like, it's not your fault they happen to be singing something extremely inappropriate for it great two person to be singing <laughs> what are you gonna do who if you had to pick who's your favorite so between christina aguilera pink maya lil kim missy elliott where are you gonna go christina aguilera me too bonnie be money as i refer to you as on a regular basis indeed indeed we have reached the critical point in the kiara gets drunk and talks about music podcast which is where we have to rate the album we're talking about today oh so for anyone who's new listening to the pod this time around, basically how it works is both Bonnie and myself will offer up our final thoughts on the record, how we feel about the record, and then we are going to rate it out of five Pink Diamond Fizz cocktails. Just for some context on the scale itself, uh, zero or a half or one Pink Diamond Fizz cocktail is, I hate this record, never want to hear it again. It's a piece of hot floating garbage. 
Nobody wants that. Nobody wants hot floating garbage. If it is a five, you know, it's on the high end, a four and a half of five uh, pink diamond fizzes. That means it's one of your favorite records. You could listen to it for the rest of your life. So knowing that, Bonnie, what are your final closing thoughts to give our listeners on the Moulin Rouge soundtrack? And how would you rate it out of five cocktails? I feel like this is tricky because there are some songs on the soundtrack that are fantastic and a couple of them that like I could genuinely listen to all the time. Like no matter what mood I'm in, I could listen to Come What May or Elephant Love Medley or even Roxanne. Like if even if I'm not in the mood for a sexy salsa number, like I could listen to Roxanne. Wait, there are times when you're not in the mood for a sexy salsa number? I mean, that's fair. Never. (laughs) Literally never. Strike it. Strike it from the records. I'm always in the mood for a sexy salsa number. But then there are also songs on the album like like a virgin or like even the can can song or there are a couple others that are very much so I genuinely never want to listen to them so (laughs) I'm like it's fine watching them in the movie they're part of the experience but as an album it's this like kind of mixture of like such very highs and very lows So I think as much as I enjoy those songs like on the album that I love beyond belief and that hold like so much, like so many memories and so much power for me, I'd have to give it like a three and a half, four pink diamonds. Like if I was just voting the songs that I love, it would be like a six out of five. It would be (laughs) out of this world explosive. But it's just like 50% of the album I adore and 50% of it, I could not only like take it or leave it, I could like leave it. So I feel like I'm just torn, like in order to be very honest. Please, please be honest. You have to be like maybe a four. And I apologize if that's, I don't want that to reflect poorly on the movie or on the beautiful (laughs) songs or on my love of this album, because I do love it. No, but I think it brings up a very good point too, that you can have an amazing record in general, any genre, any artist, you can have an amazing record and there will sometimes be a song that creeps its way in there that you're going to want to skip a song or two. Right. And it kind of does ruin the whole album for you, especially if you're like, you know, just have one of those days where you want to listen to it through and through. And then you get to that song you don't like, and you're like, Oh my God. this is it yeah Yeah, and it's like I I can't listen to this whole album then yeah 100% I don't want to (laughs) and it's different too like I almost feel like so my take on this is I almost feel like Boz Lerman gets a little bit more of a pass because the ones that I don't like similar to you I don't really like the can 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 song that's like it's like credited to fat boy slim on the fucking soundtrack um yeah. And then there's like uh there's like a rhythm of the night song that's on there and like a virgin, like all of those, all of those versions that are featured in the film. Do yeah. I like them? No. Do I understand why Boz Lerman did it? Yes. In the film? Absolutely. Yeah. They like they make sense in the film because the film is extravagant and like yes. out of this world fun. So the song makes sense in the film. It just doesn't make sense for me listening casually, like while I'm making dinner. Totally fair. Totally fair. It's also tough for me to rate. I think I'm, I think I'm going to match you at your four. I like the four. I think that that feels good. What's definitely like spiked the rating a little bit for me is just how much it means to me. Like I would actually feel guilty going lower than a four. Right. That's like, 
it means like it's like a betrayal because I don't want it to seem like the movie and the album doesn't mean like the world to me yeah because I have so many good memories with it like it's important to me and you and it's important to me and my brother and like this album and this film are important to me so I can't rate it lower than like I would maybe write something that wasn't important to me. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like, even going into like the actual technicality, like if, if we go beyond the gut feeling that we have or beyond the love that we have for it, like, I also just feel like it was very different and cool at the time for someone to take a very non-traditional approach to how to make a soundtrack. He was yeah. like, Buzz Lerman was like, how can I find a song that already exists and yet perfectly meld it into this ridiculously like flamboyant story and it works so well. Like again, like I'm sorry for, for him to put like fucking kiss and the police and Madonna and like Christina Aguilera on one album, one album that's like, like based on a, or supposed to support a storyline about like whatever era France, Yeah, like, and like courtesans, like that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So I have to give him credit for that. So I'd say between the two of us, giving it a four out of five is a very fair rating. And I hope that Boz Lerman, if you're listening, you are happy with that. <laughs> we really, really, really love what you did with the movie and we adore most of the songs. If you're looking to make a sequel, we are available. We love wearing fishnets. Call us. <laughs> Only Buzz Lerman. Only Buzz yeah. Lerman. No one else. Vibing that. Um, okay. Well, Bon, I have to say, I had such a great time with you. It was so amazing having you on the podcast for the first yeah. time. And I honestly just can't wait to have you back now. Now you'll be, now you're an expert. So fun. I was so nervous. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to just drop all over this. And it's going to be the worst, but I loved it. I had so much fun. I'm I miss so talking fun. about music with you. Oh, me too. And that's, you know what, that's at the basis of the podcast. That's, that's the heart of it. So I am, uh, I'm happy that you were able to come and join us today. And uh, thank you again to the listeners for listening and uh, we will be seeing you soon.